What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I'm glad you're here with me. So today I want to, to dive in and I want us to talk about um, just this idea that when a man commits to freedom from pornography, that resistance is going to come. Like they should expect resistance. This is not something that is going to come easy. This is not something that just goes away. Listen, you have tried, you have prayed, you have called out to God, you've done a lot of things to try to make it just disappear. And it doesn't work like that. Like we all know this. And, and instead of committing to freedom, we, um, we just kind of wish it away. And then before you know it, we blink our eyes and decades have passed and we're still struggling with pornography. But this is really important. Like this fight, this battle, this is a worthy battle. Like every man seeking freedom from porn, I think it's, I think you're seeking something very great, very noble. Like this is a good thing. And you might say, why, why, why is that? Well, I think it's based on a passage I was just reading from Hebrews 2. No, Hebrews 3. I'm going to read it real quick. If I can get to it. Man, I have already. I'm, I'm in First Peter. I apologize. I should have had this pulled up. But it's just the first verse of Hebrews 3. He says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, you have a calling in your life. We've been called to bear fruit and light. The question becomes, will we answer that calling? And the fact that we are struggling with pornography means that we are not fulfilling that calling. And again, this is the pattern that I see over and over and over with men. When I talk to them on the phone, it's, it's usually God has called me. God has called me. God has called me to do X, Y, Z. God, you know, I'm not living out my calling. I'm not living out my purpose. So I just want to say, if, if you are seeking, if you are serious and seeking freedom from pornography, this is a great and noble thing. But expect resistance. Expect resistance. It's going to come. And so you know, the writer of Hebrews was writing to uh, a church that was struggling. They were being tempted to fall away, to drift away from their faith in the Lord. Uh, I'm going to share some passages from First Peter, where this was also written to a church that was suffering persecution, and there was temptation for them to shrink back. And so I would ask us, the American church, uh, well, most of you, I mean, there could be some people listening outside of America, but I would ask you, like, what is, what is our excuse? Like, these people were being persecuted. These people had social pressure and, and we don't I mean, like people may say some mean things to us, but by and large, we have freedom to worship. We have freedom. And this is something that, uh, a lot of these churches, the early church did not experience. So let's look at like expect resistance. So this thought of resistance, this is why Peter comes in and I'm just going to start reading some of these passages. 
First one is 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's like, don't set your hope here. You need to prepare your mind for action. Like this is active. Like you, this is something you're doing all the time, right? And it reminds us in Hebrews 2, 1, where he says, we have to pay careful attention. And then he says here, be sober-minded. Like be sober-minded. And why do we need to be sober-minded? Well, chapter 2, verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. And this goes back to the whole point I was making earlier in other episodes is like, this is a war. This is not peacetime. You're not making peace with anything here on earth. Like this, he's, he's saying, you're a sojourner. You're an exile. This is not your home. Until we get home, your flesh is going to wage war against your soul, the passions of your flesh. And so once we understand this and have this attitude, and, and, and then we start preparing our minds, then we start thinking about it and thinking, okay, today is another day, and I get to go to war, like for the glory of God. First Peter 4.1 says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, so Christ was tempted, Christ endured, he says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, thinking. So this is something active that we're doing with our mind. First Peter 4, 7 says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, be sober-mindful and watchful. So this is the third time he said sober-minded. So be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. So you're going, to res you're going to experience resistance, but we are also to resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, this was written to a church. Again, I don't want to take this out of context. This was written to a specific church at a specific time, struggling with specific issues. But brothers in Christ, the church, that's who you are. Brothers in Christ, you are also, like, you need to know that you're not alone. Like, I talk to men, many, many men, who say they've never talked to anybody about their struggle with pornography. But you need to know, you can resist him, firm in your faith, knowing and hopefully talking with, knowing that you have brothers who are struggling with the same kind of battle. Struggling. And that's why Galatians 6.1 says, bear one another's burdens. Like, bear one another's burdens. If anyone is caught up in any sin, if anyone is in habitual sin, let you who are filled with the Spirit restore him gently. Right? This is what we're to do. So I want you to know you're not alone. So what are, where does resistance come from? Well, the undertow, so from without, it's the undertow of the world trying to pull us in its direction, 
right? This is what Hebrews 2, 1, when he said, we have to pay careful attention to what we've heard, which is the gospel, lest we drift away. Like we can get pulled out to sea by the world if we're not careful. So we have to pay very much attention. And then we have enemies within, and that's just our flesh, which we just read about. Like it is, your flesh is waging war against you right? And so you're attempting, and and one of these ways is like the flesh wants to meet desires itself. Like God has given you desires and the flesh says, let me meet those the way I see fit. Let me do it the way I see fit. So when we're thinking about pornography and masturbation, we are thinking about self-gratification. I have this conversation with guys all the time where where we're talking about just this idea of self-gratification. It is you saying, let me gratify myself. I'm going to, I'm going to de like, I'm going to bypass God's will for my life and take care of it myself. So if a, if a man is having struggles in his marriage, the typical excuse is, well, my wife and I are not having enough sex. So therefore I need to go and watch porn and masturbate, or I need to go and masturbate. And that's called self-gratification. The difficult work, the hard path is to build intimacy in your marriage. That's hard. The hack or the easy button or the path of least resistance is to go and watch porn and masturbate. And that's self-gratification. That's saying, God, I don't trust you. I'm not willing to build intimacy in my marriage. I'm not willing to truly be known for who I am and putting myself out there. And instead, I'll just go and, and do this. So, Anytime you want to change something in your life, like grow, improve, you have to expect resistance. But this is the thing, as a believer, as a man in Christ, to live out your calling, which we just looked at in Hebrews 3.1, to live out your heavenly calling, we're not after change, we are after transformation. So change is hard, but transformation is impossible because it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of God in us. And so, you know, when we commit to transformation, this this is an amazing thing that God does to us. And so really the question that I want to ask you or have you consider, you can write it down, think about it. I think this is really, really important. The question is, what do you want? What do you want? That's a very important question. What do you truly want? And then after you write down what you truly want, and I'm thinking it specifically in regards to sexual purity. I'm thinking specifically in regards to your life with Christ. I'm thinking specifically in regards to your spiritual life. What do you truly want? I mean, this is the most important aspect of your life. I was talking with a friend the other day, and we were talking about um, these four aspects of who of, of these domains that we live in: body, we have a body; being, which is our spiritual life; balance, which is our family; and business, which is how we make money. Like those four areas, we live in all the time. And he and I were talking about these four areas, and he just said, "I just don't." He said, "Man, I've neglected my being, like my spiritual life. I just don't have time for it." And I'm like, you don't have time for it. It's more important than your family, 
It's more important than your business. It's more important than your body. As a matter of fact, it should, it should direct your actions in the other three domains. Like you pay attention, careful attention, giving yourself to your spiritual life first, because that is going to impact how you relate with your wife, how you relate at work, how you, how you view your body. So ask yourself the question, what do you truly want? And then why? What is your motivation? What is driving you? If you're serious about finding freedom from pornography, what is driving you? I ask this question to men when I talk with them. I say, what is, what is it? What is your motivation? And they'll, they'll tell me things like, I need a better marriage. Like marriage is in shambles. I get it, guys. If you know my story, <laughs> you know it was rough. I get it. I understand that. Better marriage. They want to live with integrity. Again, they want to live out their purpose. They want to remove shame. They want to stop hiding. Like people don't really know who they are. All they get is the facade. All they get is the, yeah, I'm a good, good person. I'm a good Christian. And then uh, something else that people say is they want to glorify God with their one life. Like all of these are very powerful motivations. So now that you have answered the question, what do you want and why? Now, I want you to look at your current patterns and habits and addictions and ask, are they serving me? Like, is my current lifestyle serving me to actually obtain what I want spiritually? And then you can ask yourself, based on my current patterns and habits and addictions, who am I becoming? We are always becoming someone. And when we think about this idea from Hebrews 2.1, we are prone to drift away. Like we're, all, we're, we're drifting or we are being diligent and being intentional and aiming at something. So which is it for you? Are you drifting away or are you aiming at something specifically? I would, I would argue that my friend who said, you know, I just don't have time for uh, time in the word is really what he was telling me about. We were talking about reading the word and praying. He said, I just don't have time uh, for God's word anymore. I would tell you, like, even though he thinks I'm not doing anything, he's actually drifting. He's drifting. We're never stagnant. We are always either drifting or moving towards Christ. So who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? Like when you wake up in the morning, asking God to transform you by, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Who am I becoming? So back to this idea of resistance. I want to show you what this looks like in scripture. So I'm going to turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 57. So the title of this, if you have your Bible, the title of this is called The Cost of Following Jesus. So this is what resistance looks like. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. There, this is talking to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, you better count the cost. 
Jesus is saying, this is not the easy path, right? If you're coming here for comfort and a good life, your best life now, you might as well forget about it. Your best life is the one to come. How many of us say, I'll follow you, God, as long as it's comfortable for me. That's like saying, I'll, I want to get free from pornography as long as I can keep it to myself. As long as I can still hide, as long as I don't have to tell anybody, God, just take it away in the middle of the night so I don't have to deal with it. I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus is like, will you really? Will you really? To another, he said, this is Jesus saying to him, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is pointing out that to follow him is the supreme, like to follow him is the supreme calling of your life. And when we make excuses and when we blame other people, And when we stay stuck in our pit of porn, it is proof that we're making excuses, like that we're saying, I want to follow you, but not really. I want to follow you, but let me tell you why this is not a good time. And these are all stories, guys. These are all stories that we're telling ourselves. And we believe every story we tell ourselves. It's the narrative which which dictates our life. God, I want to follow you, but I'm going to stay. You know what, God, I want to follow you. I want to do your will, but I've been struggling with pornography for, for decades, and I just don't believe it's possible. I can't be free. And so that story that you're telling yourself keeps you stuck, keeps you from living out your purpose, your heavenly calling, as Hebrews 3.1 calls it. That's what resistance looks like. It looks like the stories that you tell yourself on why you can't be free from pornography, on why you never will. So when I'm coaching men and when I talk with men, like I, the, one of the things I tell them is this is not a game of perfection. If you have struggled for 30 years, 20 years, 15 years with pornography, and you've been looking at porn 20, 30 times a month, one time a month, two times a month, don't expect perfection. Don't expect this just to disappear overnight. This is about progress. This is about transformation and transformation takes time. And it's a lifetime. Now, I'm not saying it takes a lifetime to be free of porn. It does not. It does not. It can happen for you. More powerfully and more quickly than you think, but it is progress. If, we, if we're hoping for perfection, then what happens is when we meet resistance from without and from within and we struggle and we relapse or we fall, then we say, ah, see, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it. And we make all kinds of excuses why we shouldn't try again. And I've told you before, and I'll say it again, like throughout this podcast, Two things are required to find freedom. Number one is the ability to tell the truth. And number two is the courage to commit. And that commitment means never quitting. That's why it's war. 
That's why it's war every single day. So what excuses do you currently make for why you can't be free from porn? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? Is it a resistance from within? I mean, Satan's great tactic is to, to make you think you're alone. His great tactic is to make you fearful of what others will think of you. I mean, you don't think I wrestled with that big time. This is just, this is not anything we ever talked about in our home growing up, <laughs> like, because it wasn't a massive issue like it is now. I mean, kids that have cell phones, uh, the average age that kids are exposed to pornography now is 11 years old, 11 years old, massive, massive problems. So where does our resistance come from? Where does resistance come from? Well, I, wanna, I want us to go back to Hebrews, and I want us to look at this, because I believe resistance comes, the main resistance comes from within. Like, we can blame, uh, we can blame Instagram, we can blame the culture and, uh, you know, whatever, like Hollywood, whoever we want to blame for putting pornography in front of us. But really, truly resistance comes from our hard hearts. So let's look at this. What does this look like? Hebrews 3, 7 through 12. I'm going to read this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and now he's about to, to cite uh, a psalm, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was pro provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So this is the second warning. The first one in chapter two, verse one was we drift. This is another one. Chapter three, verse 12, we fall away. And, and how does that happen? It happens with our heart, like three different times in this passage. It says the Holy Spirit says, do not harden your hearts. And then he says, they always go astray in their heart. And then he says, take care lest there be in you an unbelieving heart. Like hearing God's voice. So he says today, if you hear his voice, first of all, I want to say that is grace. The fact that if you are a follower of Christ, a true believer in Christ, you hear God's voice, that is grace. It's perfect grace. It's beautiful. Today, if you hear his voice, like we should stop right there and say, God, who am I? that you would open my eyes and open my ears to hear your voice. Man, I praise you, God, for that. That is a gift from God. So that's first. <laughs> so today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So hearing his voice and trusting his voice are two very different things. The warning is don't harden your hearts. I've got to recognize, you need to recognize that like my natural tendency is to drift, is to fall away, according to verse 12, is to have a hard heart. And this is what the Hebrew writer is saying. Like he's saying, just like, just like 
we see in the children of Israel through the Exodus, just like the psalmist is warning, just like I now am warning here in Hebrews. And then this word we know is active and it's living. So it's warning us as well. Don't harden your hearts. And we're pointed back to Israel, just literally one chapter after they got finished singing the song of Moses, after they crossed the Red Sea, just one chapter, what do we see? After their victory was secured by God, like God just openly defeated Pharaoh and his armies, like putting them to shame in the Red Sea. They come out on the other side. They sing this incredible song of Moses where they're saying, God, our God is a man of war. Like, man, God goes to war for us. He is, for, he should be forever praised, like praise him. And then what happens? They were tested. They were tested. And they failed. Look at verse eight of Hebrews three. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. They were tested and they failed the test instead of trusting. They failed the test instead of trusting. So again, hearing God's voice and trusting his voice are two different things. So let's look at how they failed here. Exodus, he's pointing back to Exodus 16. So the Song of Moses was Exodus 15, Exodus 16, 2 and 3 just say this, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Here they are grumbling and complaining against Moses and Aaron. In our bondage, in our slavery, we had meat, we had vegetables, we had bread. And here you have, you brought us that look. I mean, we're, we're hungry. They were tested and they failed. And then it's also pointing back to numbers 14, where they were tested because verse 9, he says, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So they tested God. They were brought to the doorstep of the promised land. This generation brought to the doorstep of, of the promised land, of freedom, of rest. And what did they do? They sent the spies, right? And 12 spies, two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and said, the Lord can do this for us. Other 10 said, eh, not so sure. Don't think so. These, this enemy is huge. This enemy is big. And this does remind me of the guys I speak with who say, I'll never be free from porn. Like this is a story I've told myself. It is a story there. Those people are like the 10 spies who came back. And so I would say a majority of men stay trapped in porn because they believe like that's who they believe they're going to be. That's who they, they must believe that that's who God created them to be. Like God created them to be stuck in porn, which sounds like a lie to me. That's a lie. It's a story. Again, a story that we believe. And I think I believe that story as well. So I don't want to, I don't want to like 
I'm not trying to get out of this, man, guys, I, I was struggling for, for decades. If you, if you heard my story. So let's look at numbers 14, two through four and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So in Exodus 16, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. In Numbers 14, they grumbled against the Lord. They blamed the Lord. They tested the Lord. This is what he means here in verse 9, where your fathers put me to the test. And because of that, they saw my works for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they will always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I didn't enter the rest. As a matter of fact, the children that they said, our little ones will die out here. God said, no, your little ones aren't going to die. They're actually going to inherit the promised land. So where does the hardening of our heart come from? It comes from the unbelief and the goodness and the steadfast love and the power of our God. Like testing by the Lord reveals what we truly believe. Not what we say, not what we sing in church. It testing reveals what we truly believe. Were their hearts committed to him or were they more concerned with were they more concerned with the gifts or the giver? And so the question I ask myself is where do I place my hope and trust? Like testing reveals truth in me. Testing reveals truth in you. And the fact that we keep going back to porn over and over and over means that we're not trusting God. We're not believing him. And so the testing reveals the truth of what we truly are putting our hope and our faith in. Right? So this is what I want you to see also is that we are in the wilderness. Like we're not home yet. Just like Peter, Peter made that point. He said, you are exiles. You are sojourners. So are we, we are in the wilderness. We're in the wilderness. Our rest is to come. And resistance is going to come. Testing is going to come from within and without. So the question is, will we trust God or will we blame God? Like they did in numbers 14. Will we trust God or will we blame God? And I mentioned this on another episode podcast is we love to blame people. We love to blame circumstances and other people for our problem with porn. But they blame God and they put God to the test and they put God on trial. And what's interesting is like, Think about it. Think what God did for them. He gave them water from the rock. He led them by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. He opened up the Red Sea. He fed them manna from heaven. Their shoes and their clothes did not wear out. He brought them out. Not only did he bring them out of Egypt, he, he made the Egyptians give them treasure. And they blamed him for their, for their testing. They blamed him for the situation they were in. And don't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same thing? 
I mean, here we are in the most prosperous country in the world. And the temptation is to do the same thing. It's God's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's somebody else's fault. And the ultimate judgment by God here is they have not known my ways. They have not known my ways. I was reading this commentary and it says this, it says, this is the time in the wilderness, the time of difficulty and often of sorrow and pain. We are not now living in the promised land, but in the wilderness. And the sooner we realize this, the better. This helps us answer questions like, why does God allow things to go wrong in my life? Or why are things so hard? The answer is that today is a day of testing and the day of our rest is yet to come. So guys, anyone, any one of you who's listening this, to this podcast, who truly desires freedom from pornography, this is a noble thing because you have a heavenly calling. Like this is God's will for your life to bear fruit, to be light in the world. And you know, with a habitual struggle with pornography, this is not going to happen. You know, it's not going, going to happen. You live in constant fear of someone getting, of someone finding out. You live in constant shame of going back to something that you hate so much. You live a prayerless life, purposeless life. Your marriage is struggling because as, instead of doing the work to build intimacy, you turn to pornography. And I know because this is, this was me. That was me. But just know when you, when you finally commit, when you finally get serious about finding freedom for, from pornography, it is, like I said, it's a noble thing, but also expect a lot of resistance. I was talking with a guy just actually yesterday, and before we got off the phone, he said, hey, I just want to tell you I'm praying for you in this ministry, <laughs> which I was like, awesome, man. Thank you for that. And he's, he said, because I know that this is something that Satan hates. Like He does not want to see men get free. He does not want to see men walking in purity. He does not want to see men escape this trap. And I was like, you are so right. Like 100%. He's going to do everything he can to stir up our flesh to go a war against us. He's not sleeping. He's not resting. While you're sleeping, he's plotting. And that's why you have to wake up every day and declare war. This is probably the biggest revelation for me, I would say, uh, sometime in 2018. You know, I'd always placed a, an importance of reading God's word, uh, believe in God's word. I love God's word. And, um, and I've seen God work in amazing ways in my life through his word, through the spirit, through prayer, through the church. And there was something about 2018 that just clicked. And I think that's the time that I realized that, Hey, this is not my home. <laughs> I don't need to settle down. I don't need the status quo. Like the status quo that I'm living in, 
man, I sure hope my son doesn't live in the status quo. I wouldn't want to, I don't wish this on my son, my family. So why would I want it for myself? So I just started viewing life from the state of, man, this is a wartime mindset. And going to war means taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and eating it every single day for breakfast without fail. <laughs> every single day without breakfast. I mean, for, for breakfast without fail, like every day. None of, this, none of these excuses, I don't have time. I had time for porn. Plenty of time for porn. All right, guys. If I can ever help you or do anything for you, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can email me, Spencer, at naturalpornkiller.com. Would love to talk to you and love to hear more about your story. So anyway, I will be back next week. I'm going to go. I got a weekend planned with my wife. Her brother's getting married. So we're heading out of town, just the two of us. Uh, kids are going to be home. So, uh, should be an awesome trip. Hope y'all have a great one. And I will, uh, be back with another episode of porn and the gospel.